0: Previously
1: on the As Methuselah raised their arm to brace themselves against the tree, you can see that there is no hand. It is just fresh wound on their arm. And Yorick, the friend that has been with them since they left Fool's Fortune, is not with them at all.
0: With difficulty, you look around And only one thing stands out to you. A mirror, observing. There is no reflection in it, though. It is just darkness within. And how did you die?
1: Oh, oh, I'm not dead. I'm just...
0: Yeah, I'll cut you off right here. I am not dumb. I have seen my fair share of death, and I have healed people at a brink to death. I know a corpse when I inspect it.
2: Morse is going to kind of turn his head into his shell like he tends to do. Thorn, I know you are going through a lot right now, but I think it best that you sleep for a bit.
3: In like the darkness of the shell, all you see is eyes and teeth bearing at you. Throughout the vastness of
1: the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large, cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement.
4: Welcome to the Storyteller Stafford,
1: where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and
0: most importantly, who? will our adventure survive to the into of the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? You arrive by the side of Mortis, and, yeah, starts the watch.
1: Do you want us to do perception? Yes, please. I got another now.
0: <laughs> I
2: got a 19.
0: Mortis, you are very attentive. Your watch truly is without respite. It is vigilant at all times. So vigilant that you notice Methuselah not looking at anything but the ground in front of them.
1: I'm looking at Erky, just staring very nervously at Urki.
2: I see you've taken an interest in our new friend.
1: Oh, yes, they, they seem very, very knowledgeable.
2: Yes, we were having an interesting conversation before. I was telling me a little bit about his goddess.
1: With his little gulps, that just nervous, oh
2: no, they were talking.
1: Oh, ah, that's that's nice. It it must be interesting to talk about deities with a fellow deity worshipper.
2: Well, certainly interesting, yes.
1: So, it seems that I sort of blacked out back there. I, I don't have much memory of what happened. Do you mind filling me in a bit you did mention a dark power that I used. I, I don't really remember that. All I sort of remember is seeing, you know, Meepo and Thorn rushing towards the Dark Warden in a weird way. I, I don't know why I, I remember that. And then there was blackness, and then I woke up in Seeker's arms. It, it was strange.
2: I'm not sure if that dragon was the... Dark Warden, but you never really described him, but I pictured him as a bit more imposing. That dragon that we have encountered seemed fairly young.
1: It's strange, because the dragon that's on the ground now is definitely not the Dark Warden. This is a a, a white dragon, and the Dark Warden was a black one.
2: Is it possible that you might have had another one of your memory spasms?
1: I don't really know what brought it on. I mean, perhaps it was the dragon?
2: As I mentioned before, the dragon lashed out at Meepo when he attempted to feed it and bring it back with us, and that's... that's when everything changed. Uh, Thorn was so petrified at the sight of Meepo's death that he ran away. As for you, you seemed to go into some sort of trance. There was this dark energy flowing around you, and just above you there was this black void creature. I'm not sure what it was. It seemed to have some sort of shadow-like power.
1: That's very strange. What what did it look like, if you don't mind me asking?
2: (sighs) To be honest, I was focused on the battle, but from the glimpses I saw, it, it resembled an elf, but One far different than you. Pale skin, red eyes, not one I've seen before. Could it be someone from your past, perhaps?
1: I'd say that when Mortis mentions those descriptions, the memory that I recollected flashes in my mind in a weird way, and I'm back at that mirror, staring at myself, and Methuselah's face just gets visibly disturbed by hearing that description oh that's that is rather strange i don't know if that was someone i knew i mean I, i recognize it
2: a look of concern flashes over mortis's face my apologies i hope i haven't disturbed you at all
1: no no it's it's all right it's just that sort of presence it was me
2: In what sense? I I didn't really resemble you specifically.
1: I used to look like that.
2: Was that you in your youth, perhaps?
1: Yes. Another time. Long ago. Very long.
2: Trust me, I know from experience memories can be a fickle thing. But uh, other than that, this apparition of yourself, it it seemed to be affecting the dragon somehow, you were were saying these words and casting spells, but they were in a language I couldn't understand, but whatever you were doing, it really hurt the dragon, in fact, uh, you, you wouldn't remember, but it had grabbed me and carried me into the air, and you were the one who killed it.
1: I see. Are are you all right, though? You didn't suffer any injuries from the dragon's attack.
2: It put up a good fight, but my shell protected me, and Urki's healing certainly helped. Fortunately, I managed to stave off most of the fall, but if anything, I think I was more emotionally injured than physically.
1: And uh, Seeker and and Thorn, they, they weren't hurt in the fight either.
2: No. Seeker was analyzing the room, trying to find a method of escape for us, and Thorn, Thorn had run away at, at the sight of Meepo dying. After the battle, I was very concerned about him. I i went after Thorn, and where well, last I saw you, you, you were still in that state. I'm, I'm not sure what happened after that. You would have to ask Seeker, but... I believe that whatever trance you were under ended as soon as the dragon was slain.
1: Thorn did seem rather distraught, I guess is the word I'd say, to describe it. I sort of went over to where Meepo is resting and uh, lit some candles in tradition of Luxair's teachings to sort of light the soul on its travel and... Thorn was there as well. Sort of didn't really want to be bothered.
2: I think that Thorn needs some time to process all of this. This may just be a theory, but I think that part of this was him realizing how much the deaths that we've seen thus far have hurt him. He seemed fine when we told him about the goblins, but... I think he was holding back all that emotion and seeing Meepo, a very close friend, die in front of him might have been the breaking point. He hasn't said a word since he ran off.
1: Not even to you?
2: He just gently shakes his head. I'm worried, but all I can do is give him his space. He's not the type to respond well to confrontation or trying to force out answers. When the time is right, he will speak to me, and I will be there.
1: Uh, I'm glad that he has someone like you by his side.
2: (sighs) Sometimes I wonder if I'm enough to watch over him, to watch over all of you. I may be an old man, but I haven't really done something like this before. I'm used to being on the surface, you know, fighting out in the wilds, exploring the lands of Lestri, but this, I fear my life experiences are quite invalid.
1: You've kept us alive so far, so there's some merit there.
2: I've done my best, but... I fear that things will get more dangerous as we go on, but I do know now that my quest has changed somewhat.
1: Oh, in what way, might I ask, friend?
2: As I mentioned to you during our conversation on the surface, My original goal in the Sun Citadel was partially to locate the apple of virtue and secure it so that it not fall into the hands of the greedy or the amoral, but in our quest and hearing of this evil druid who's been using their powers to twist the world around them. By my goddess's creed, this abomination must be destroyed. They upset the natural order of this place, and to corrupt the druidic powers, it's unforgivable. My solemn vow is that I will destroy this druid before we leave this place. As he speaks, you see the most serious face you've ever seen on him. There's no hint of the jovialness and the old manness. He's just completely stoic. He's not even fully looking at you. He's kind of looking off to the side as he says this, but... As soon as he finishes that speech, he refocuses on you.
1: Methuselah's, like, mage hand just kind of falls on your shoulder. And we'll be with you when that happens, friends. We'll stand by your side.
2: The sort of warm elderly smile returns to Mortis's face. It's good to have an ally like you. Someone that I can fight alongside. Someone that I can trust.
1: It fills me with pride, too. Stand beside a hero such as you, Mortis.
2: But enough about me. How how are you? This this must be all. This must be shocking. Hearing all this information.
1: It is very strange. Mostly because I don't know if you'll believe this, but I've been here before. This this whole place. It's actually where I was kept by the Dark Warden. I I don't know how. This. It seems like it was just a year ago, or months, but I was here, and it's fallen into such disrepair, and there's already a druid that's taken hold of this place in the garden as well. I've been there, I've, I've seen the garden, I've seen this whole place. It's strange, I, I don't know how it's possible, how time could be so twisted down
2: here. There's, like, a slight look of surprise on Mortis's face, but it kind of dissipates... In truth, I had suspected that you had some level of familiarity with this place beyond understanding the Draconic Empire. But I'm sorry that through this quest you've had to re-experience this terrible place. In terms of your not being able to understand the concept of how long ago it was, this may just be intuition, but I remember back in Lestri, Certain elves would, some of the older ones, would speak to me about how, as they live on and time becomes immaterial, centuries feel as minuscule as days and such. My species is fairly long lived, but I think that we view time in a much more symbiotic way. We try to make every moment count, but. When you live for hundreds or thousands of years, it can be difficult to process. You have clearly been through a great burden, my friend.
1: I don't know. I know that I'm Elvin, but I've only lived for 45 years. I'm not that long-lived. It just doesn't make sense in my mind. I don't know what sort of influences are down here that can sort of do that. It just doesn't make sense. I I don't know what's going on. It's very strange.
2: This place is indeed strange. Unknowable even. Tell me, uh, a curiosity. You say that the apparition showed a previous version of yourself. At what point did the change occur when you became the person you are now?
1: I don't know. I remember running from something. No, I wasn't running, I was walking. No, I, I wasn't walking, I-, I couldn't walk. And I saw this, this version of me now in a mirror somewhere, in a cave. It sort of reached out to me and pulled me in somewhere, dark. A place of no light, a place of no stars. That's all I remember. I do remember another voice. It spoke to me. It told me to turn around. I don't know what that means, but I remember it's telling me that over and over again in that dark place.
2: Try not to strain yourself too much. These these things can clearly be painful. If there's something you don't remember, then perhaps your mind has simply repressed it. One of my wife's old proverbs is, if you can't remember something, no matter how hard you try, it might not be worth remembering.
1: Perhaps not. But uh, there's some part of me that is curious that wants to put this all together. Especially why I don't remember passage of time, especially here, between the Dark Warden and how this place is now.
2: Is it possible that you might have been drawn to this place uh, subconsciously even for a reason beyond seeking out the apple? I know that obviously finding the apple and helping your wife would be your most important priority, but... Perhaps there is a side of your story that hasn't been uncovered quite yet.
1: My memories down here although hard, are becoming more present. My mind isn't so jumbled as it once was, so I think there is some truth to what you're saying.
2: No matter the case, know that as you uncover all of the knowledge of your past life and As we move forward, you will not be alone. We will help you, and... By the honor of she, I swear to you that for as long as I am by your side, I will help you discover who you really are.
1: Thank you, my friend. And Methuselah, I genuinely looks relieved hearing that because they've spent so long alone. So, that's a genuine comfort. Well, I suppose... We've spent enough time on sorrows. Tell me more about your wife.
0: It is a beautiful morning. It is just the light hitting the right side of Cat Castle. As the breeze from the north sweeps in and allows Seeker to wake up in a very gentle and beautiful comfort you stretch you make sure to grab your right tools for the morning a nice little ball of yarn and your favorite knife you start to head down towards the ground behind cat castle there's a little area which you guys nicely call the garden a place where the vegetables used in the kitchen are planted, nurtured, and cared for. And it becomes a very nice activity for all the members of the community, as sometimes volunteers just appears in the mornings of Cat Castle to help out with the gardening. Your sister, Faith, is one of those individuals that adores to start their morning with a little bit of hard work in the gardening, many a times you have caught her sneaking out of her room before the light first shines in the day just to be able to start with their hands in the dirt she's there right? but interestingly enough she's not alone the head of cat castle the high priestess is also there. they are having a discussion about where to best place these very special seeds. Before you finally approach, they conclude that the best location for these seeds are at the south corner of the garden. There's a nice spot, and the last comment you hear before Faith turns to you is the head priestess saying, that place is perfect for an apple tree faith turns to you noticing your presence she goes oh hey seeker what are you doing so early
4: uh well i figured i woke up and you know it's nice to start your day in the gardens as you well know and well i figured you'd be down here as well and you know you always make my day better sister
0: oh and so do you I have to say, I was actually getting into a very difficult decision, but what do you think? And then she kind of gets closer to the area that was decided by the head priestess. If we get an apple tree here, do you think
4: it would provide enough shade
0: for us to take naps?
4: Seeker's gonna think about it for a moment and kind of picture like the apple trees that they've seen in their life. And then they're gonna turn to Faith. I think that I think that it might, it should do once it got big enough.
0: I was thinking of actually going towards the temple of Vontavas, you know, with our little halfling friends. They are very knowledgeable about nurturing and I have heard rumors about some of them being able to speed up the process if you have enough love and care for our little green friends. And you know what? When this apple tree grows, it's gonna do a lot of good for this community. I'll tell you that.
4: Oh, is it? Is it some kind of like special apple tree?
0: Oh, That it is. I don't know if I should tell you this, but these are the seeds of an apple called the apple of virtue. And the, me and the head priestess has seen a person that was close to death be able to be healed because of one slice of this apple i need to talk to you about something very important because i wanted to keep an eye out for me taking care of cat castle because i'm going to be heading on a special mission tomorrow morning this mission is exactly to get that apple i shouldn't take long
4: well you know i'd always do anything that you asked of me and you know cat castle is our home it's where we We were raised is where we've grown up. It's the only home that we've known, so yeah, absolutely. I'll do my very best job. You know I wouldn't let anything bad happen to this place.
0: That's why I asked you and she kind of like pokes your neck just to tickle you a little bit. Now, can you tell me
4: where I left
0: that one cloak of mine? It's the one that matches with yours, the cherry one with the gray stitching. Oh,
4: uh, I f- I think I saw it maybe when I was when I was leaving our apartment. I think you may have left it in the closet.
0: I love that quote, but it's kind of a heavy one. It's getting colder, so I want to make sure to be very, very well protected. You know.
4: Yeah, it wouldn't do us any good if anything bad happened to you, and yeah, you no, know, I'd I'd be very very worried if you were to get sick.
0: <laughs> no, you don't need to worry about that. I have the Kelly. All right, then. I'm gonna go look for that. I'll meet you in the food area. I'm pretty sure I heard our mom making
4: the special one. You know the chicken? Oh. Oh, yeah. I know the one. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Well, I'll, I'll let you go on your way, Faith, and Seeker's gonna wrap her in a hug.
0: I love you, Seeker.
4: I love you, too, Faith. And don't forget,
0: Seeker. Seeker. Uh, Seeker. And that is the voice of the person waking you up for your watch here in the depths of the Sunless Citadel.
2: Oh,
4: uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I think I might have overslept. Is is everything all right?
2: Sorry to wake you. Uh, I was just getting you ready for your watch. You're right. You seem a bit perplexed.
4: Yeah, just some, just some memories, uh. a very important memory to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, Mortis.
2: Well, good memories. I hope if you're going to get lost in a memory, it's better that it's a good one. in My experience.
4: Faith was there. We were, we were talking about plans for a, for a tree in the garden.
2: Mortis kind of has like a slightly somber look on his face. He like, he puts a hand on Seeker's shoulder. I know you miss Faith, but I promise we'll find her.
4: I know we will. It's it's the reason why I'm here. She's she's the most important thing in the world to me.
2: Well, I'm I'm going to head off to bed now. But if if you need anything at all from me, don't don't hesitate to wake me.
4: Uh, m- much appreciate, Mortis. Uh, thank you. I think I think Methuselah and I have got this.
2: Of course, and he like, gives you a slight nod and then heads over to his bedroom.
0: It starts the watch between Methuselah and Seeker.
1: I would say that when you come over to Methuselah they have Yorick out and a notebook and they're playing random tunes to try to get something right, and then they're looking at their notebook and then like muttering to themselves and then just writing something down and then going back to playing.
4: Seeker is not gonna interrupt, they're just gonna curl up in a little cat ball by Methuselah.
0: All right, go ahead and do a perception check for your watch.
4: So I got a 10.
1: I got a 7.
4: What are you guys doing? Seeker is trying to sort through their thoughts, the memories that like came back in that dream, and they kind of want to talk to Methuselah when they're ready.
1: I would say after a while of Methuselah struggling with the song that they're making, he finally sees that Seeker is there and goes, Oh! seeker i I didn't see you there i'm I'm sorry no
4: methuselah it's it's quite all right you were you were playing and it made me feel better
1: i tend to get wrapped up in my songs (laughs) makes me a little bit aloof sometimes
4: oh no there's nothing wrong with you know caring about your art i think that's very very important
1: are you all right though I i know you had a bit of a scare with me falling unconscious
4: yeah i mean i mean now that i'm seeing that you're all right i feel a lot better you know you you are feeling all right right yes i i'm feeling better than before well that's good i'm sorry we didn't do anything about that arrow i completely forgot it and you you didn't bring it up you're you're really tough
1: i think there was also some sort of numbing effect in the poison i remember feeling it when it hit but obviously in the middle of battle you're not going to with something like that when there's enemies abound.
4: Well, yeah, unless it's, like, actually, like, incapacitating you, you probably wouldn't notice, you know, like a
1: little bit of a flesh wound, you know? Yes. Well, I, I'm writing a song, and I, w- I was wondering if perhaps you could help me with something. I'm having a bit of trouble. Oh, a- absolutely. Well, what can I help you with? I've sort of been compiling notes this whole time. Uh, Any time that You've sort of talked about your sister, and from what I gathered in Cat Castle, as well, I'd like to write a song for Faith when, when I meet her. She sounds very heroic, so I thought it would be nice to grace her with a song.
4: Oh, absolutely! If, if there's anybody in Tom's Rest that knows everything about Faith, it's me, you know, as her brother and her best friend, you know, so... I am completely equipped to help you out with this song. I would like to ask,
1: does she like music?
4: Oh, she does. Now, most of her music that she knows really well is more like hymns and songs that celebrate the Cat lady, which aren't very, very fun. When we get back, we're gonna need to we're gonna need to expose you to all of that fun music. I think
1: you'll really like it. When Seeker mentions going back, Methusel looks a little bit sad. Yes uh, of course that would be a dream to see. but um what what sort of like hymns do you know any that would be good inspiration?
4: I don't know if I've ever told you, but one of my big dreams in life is to find the original journal of the cat lady. You haven't Oh, I haven't mentioned that. Okay well anyways, the cat lady had this journal when she was caring for the first cat. So in documenting all of this she, she talked a lot about like caring for cats. And, you know, making sure that the community is strong and happy and supportive and, you know, emphasizing the importance of teaching the cats how to play. And so Faith sees this book as something really, really important to our religion. And I do as well, because, you know, it's it's a -a one-of-a-kind piece. There's a hymn about what that book teaches us. And it's mostly centered around play and community. And it's a very, very fun hymn. Whenever we whenever we sing it in the temple, we're all playing. It's so much fun.
1: I see. It sounds quite jovial, I'd say. Oh, we we
4: are a very, very jovial you know, religion.
1: Yes, so I, I suppose I should attune the song to be a little more playful. Oh
4: yeah, I definitely have faith in you, Methuselah. You can do it. I believe in you.
1: And is there anything that you'd like to say to Faith when you first meet her.
4: I think the first thing I wanna do when I see her again is I wanna give her a big hug and make sure that she's all right and then tell her that I miss her and that I love her. At the same time, I'm scared about thinking about when I'm gonna see her again, you know, cause I mean, going through all of this, she would have changed, I've changed, and that doesn't mean we're not gonna love each other anymore cause We've always valued each other, but I hope that we value what we have even more now.
1: Well, I imagine that spending time apart would definitely bring you closer together. And I do hope that we are able to find her soon.
4: Oh, I hope so, too. This is the longest I've ever been without her since since she was born. She's only a couple years younger than me, and it, it feels weird, because I've always really had her in my life, and she's always had me, and... You know, when you lose that one person, you you know how this feels, Methuselah.
1: You're missing Chrysantha. Oh, yes. Ah, it is quite hard to be apart from the people that you care about the most. I think the worst part about it is the helplessness you feel not being able to help them. Oh, definitely.
4: You know that they're strong, but what if something happens to them and, and they need you and you're not there? And like... Like, they wouldn't want you to blame yourself,
1: right? But it's gonna happen anyway. Yes, I suppose so. Not to to dwell too much on the sad things. Perhaps you could tell me what your favorite sort of things about Faith are.
4: Oh, of course, I can absolutely do that. I really love how passionate she is. Not just about, like, the cat lady, but, like, teaching and caring for people. And, like, Mortis is an amazing healer, but... Faith has really put so much of her time and energy into learning how to heal and she's actually quite excellent at it and sometimes she'll come back to our little apartment and she'll tell me stories about you know the people that she's helped and I just I love seeing the light in her eyes just shining when she tells me these stories she's excellent in the garden she usually wakes up early to spend some time down there and you know help out with all the gardening and the prep she's She's okay at cooking, it's, it's not one of her uh, strongest suits, but, again, that's what we got Mama for, and she's always just such a bright light in the temple, and she never turns away a friend when they're in need. She's always given, and she's just, the, she's just the most amazing backsy I've ever met.
1: Well, that's very heroic, and she's definitely deserving of a song. Oh, definitely. I think that everyone
4: around us right now is very deserving of a song, so... But 100% faith. If you had to choose between writing a song for me and a song for faith, choose faith. Choose faith every
1: time. Oh, don't worry, I have all the time in the world to write songs for people.
4: Yeah, elves have a longer lifespan than most of us, don't they? Yes. Pretty much
1: an eternity.
4: I don't know what I would do with all that time. I think I'd probably just
1: spend it all just playing. I have a long, long list of songs to write.
4: Well, yeah, because you're so cool and you've met so many cool people, Methuselah.
1: Can I do a performance check to retry this song that I'm concocting? Go ahead. So that's a 16.
0: Slowly but surely. It takes a little bit longer than you would like. But in the end, you're able to get satisfied with the progress you have made so far with this song.
1: I would say that the song is a lot more playful than what Methuselah usually plays. It has a lot of, like, hope, as warm as a hurdy-gurdy can sound, really, and it's it's very nice and warm and hopeful, as hopeful as Methuselah can be.
4: A Seeker's gonna put their paws together for their best friend, because that was amazing. Oh, thank you.
1: I hope that Faith will like it.
4: Oh, I'm sure that she will. She's gonna love all of you, honestly. I mean, you're super fun, and Thorn is the crazy type of fun. I wanna keep Thorn at Cat Castle because he's really, really playful, and I think that we could use another play instructor. Now Mortis, still fun, but less playful,
1: but she'll still love him. Well, Mortis is a bit older, so I imagine his sort of play is a little slower. Which, there's nothing wrong with that.
4: Oh no, absolutely not. Like, even the even the older tabaxi in the temple, they always love playing. And I'm sure that, you know, if Mortis decided to come back as well, uh, he could join in in one of the older playtime things, you know?
1: I wonder, could he teach the tabaxi how to swim? I've seen sort of these exercises that some older elves do in lakes. I think that i would
4: pass on that one i, I don't i don't like it wet very much
1: it, it is very good for the bones i hear and the muscles
4: yeah you don't want to know what happened last time when faith and i went outside and we were playing and it started to rain and we decided to jump in the mud and i refused to take a bath until a mama had to throw me in the bath and it, it, it was not very fun um I nearly uh, scratched my paw's eyes out, so I do not react well to being thrown in water.
0: With that, the conversation starts to dwindle, slowly towards smaller and smaller talk, until time finally passes. You guys realize that it's time to proceed. You don't know what dangers might be just outside.
1: I would say, like, when Seeker's probably gonna, like, wake up the others, I'd like to go and find Erky.
0: While everybody is slowly getting themselves ready, you do see Erky slowly waking up in his corner that it was near Mortis before Mortis got up to prepare himself for the next day and also check out on Thorn, very likely. Your approach?
1: Good, I suppose, morning, Erky.
0: There is a very small pause of hesitation from what he's doing and then he slowly turns and he goes yeah good morning to you too
1: can I do an insight check on him Mm -hmm. that was a 12
0: you know that he's still very apprehensive of you
1: (laughs) how are you today
0: well uh one more day here and uh Interesting to see where this goes.
1: Yes, me as well. I see
0: everybody here is okay then. um, Good to know. Do you want to see something interesting? There's a small pause. Well, that depends. Uh, What are you thinking there, buddy?
1: You are a scholar, so I, I assume this would be interesting to you.
0: His eyes slowly squint a little. Go on.
1: So Methuselah is going to take off their gloves and kind of spread out their hands and go, Ta-da!
0: His squinted eyes widen in a moment's notice. Oh, Lyrta, there's no way to hide those except for gloves, eh? Yes, but I think they're very cool. It's a very cool trick. Yeah, it's just interesting. And then he kind of like gingerly approaches before he catches himself and then steps back again it seems like it doesn't impede you from doing your normal activities.
1: Most things. I can't really lift heavy objects and lifting myself with these hands are a little bit difficult, but I can do this and then the hands are going to kind of float behind Methuselah where Yorick is actually strapped and can start playing Yorick.
0: He does not hold himself. This time he kind of like gingerly circles you just so he can see the hands playing the instrument and goes oh it's almost like that one miracle the um, the glowing hands some of the uh, more proficient in the art of light weaving um, is able to cast something similar but it doesn't require us losing our hands Um, is that a part of your spirit? Um, how would that even work?
1: i really
2: don't
1: know i'm not a scholar i'm not really versed in these sort of things but i use magic so that's how i do this
0: oh yeah of course uh, yeah no don't worry um well, it's good to know It's good to know um to see what you're capable of doing um that's good i'm interested to see what else you can do as we proceed and then the rest of the group finally gets around to
2: be ready. Uh, has anyone seen where Thorn ran off to?
1: At uh, last I saw Thorn. He was under where Meepo was. He did not look great. And he also did not want to be bothered.
2: I understand. I'll, I'll see if I can get through to him. He's going to kind of walk over to the tapestry.
0: Thorn. You feel the presence of someone approaching the tapestry. It is just a 1 or 2 feet away from the very edge of the
2: tapestry.
3: Growling commences.
2: Lorne, it's Mortis. Uh, are you alright? I I know that what happened to Mebo was hard on you, but we need to move on. We'll give him a proper burial. <sighs> We can't leave you behind.
3: Go away.
2: I can't do that.
3: Go away! Dorn does not want you here.
2: Or is going to sit down cross-legged in front of the tapestry. I can't do that. It's time for us to go. I understand that you need time to mourn, and I promise there will be time, but right now, we have a quest to carry on.
3: I'd say you just hear more, growling. Like you probably hear dragging noises as you see the tapestry trying to move backwards away from you. Like, Thorn is, like, dragging everything backwards.
2: I will wait as long as necessary. If it helps, then I can make a prayer over Mebo to she so that he may find peace in the afterlife.
3: Thorn lifts the tapestry slightly and, like, throws a rock at... Mortis, but it
2: lands short and bums into him. <sighs> I won't push you. Take your time as much as you need. I'll be here. And then he, he stays sitting and he closes his eyes and starts mouthing prayers to himself just to like keep himself occupied. So He's basically just waiting you out at this point.
4: While all of this is happening, can Seeker go and uh, loot the dragon scales?
0: Sure. Uh, Roll for me a survival check.
4: Dirty 20
0: You're not versed in butchering uh, a creature like a dragon. But there is some basics that you are able to use. And successfully, you're able to collect what would be a decent's worth of scales that are the size of small discs. No more than... 10 centimeters diameter-wise in oval-like shapes. Roll the D6 to see how much you get. Three. You have pulled more out. It's just that these three are the ones that you say yeah, these are worth something. The other ones got damaged or it's not as good looking. The blood is not coming out. It's stuff like that.
1: I would say that Methuselah kind of hung out awkwardly with Erky for a bit was kind of watching Mortis and seeing how, like, that was going because is a little bit worried about Thorn. It's gonna kind of notice Mortis, like, sitting there afterwards and then is gonna go over to Seeker, seeing them pull out the (laughs) the scales and be like, Oh, are you having any sort
4: of trouble? Uh, no, I managed to get these three, because I like your coat. I think I have mentioned I like your coat. Um, it's really cool, and I like it. And so I was thinking, I could make you a matching glove. Well, not really matching, but still made of, like, dragon, you know?
1: I suppose it would match the coat in some sort of way.
4: Yeah, because it would be, like,
1: it would be, like, dragon couture. I don't know what that means, (laughs) but... Sure. If you're done here, I was wondering if maybe you'd like to sort of come with me. I want to say, you know, goodbyes to Meepo, and I think Mortis does as well. And I'm not sure Thorn is doing all right, so maybe having all of us there saying goodbyes might help in some way.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to say a few words about Meepo as well, because I, re- I really liked that little dragon-y fella. The kobolds, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that Meepo was probably my favourite of all the ones that we met, and we didn't meet that many, but... These kobolds are definitely good sort of folk. I'm really sad about what happened to Meepo, because, I don't know, it, it felt like he he'd been betrayed by a friend, and I've never experienced that, but... I know I, I wouldn't like that feeling, so... I, I hope that it wasn't too,
1: too painful for the little guy. I hope not either. And then Methuselah is going to kind of walk over to where Mortis is and probably, like, sit beside Mortis. Not really, like, getting him out of his meditation, but just sort of sitting there in reverence.
4: Seeker's gonna join them. The three of
0: you sit around Waiting for your fourth companion. Erky is confused in the distance, but he uses this opportunity to investigate the two doors. One leading to the back, where you guys came from, and the one leading to the next room. But he is not going to stop you guys from what you're doing. He's just preparing for the net's action, if anything.
3: The, the quiet growling probably starts up again.
2: Or is probably like slowly opens his eyes. He stops silently praying. He just kind of stares ahead. I'm not sure if he's going to be all right after this.
1: Is there anything we can do to help?
2: I wish I knew. I've tried all that I know, but I'm not experienced in these things.
1: Well, from what I know, grieving is sort of a process. It takes time. And it's hard. So, I imagine that right now, Thorne just needs some time.
2: That's all we can give him, I guess.
1: Yeah,
4: I, I really feel bad. I never had the experience of losing a friend like that. I, I don't know if either of you have ever been through that. Like, like the closest I've ever come is, you know, when Hummer when decided to leave cat castle or you know not seeing faith for so long and i know, I know that you've lost Mara mortis and well mazuzula's been away from chrysantha and so I, I know that we all understand like different kinds of loss thorn and Weepo had kind of become like family and i feel like that's the bond that we're slowly moving towards but You know, I think as much as each of us are feeling Meepo's loss, Thorn's feeling it a lot more, because he knew Meepo better than we did.
1: That is very true. Uh, While death is a natural part of life, it doesn't make it any easier to let go. When I was traveling with Fool's Fortune, our leader, Veste, he sort of took on the role of guiding us with Luxer's teachings. And he did sort of tell us that death was hard, but you know, it is a necessary part of life. And while for a long time, we travel these roads of life, eventually we always sort of drift away from those that we love the most, but that doesn't make the journey that we've had any less memorable. It shouldn't sour, the memories that we've shared in the stories that we've collected in fact i think that it's always something good to look back on
2: you are both very wise my friends i have helped others through grief before as a disciple of she it is my role. but never like this never so soon after having one so close ripped away so violently i suppose through my own detachment after what happened to nera i I don't really know how to process these things but mm, as old as i am i hope that i will find time to learn how to help others in this way
1: i always find that it's easiest to dwell on the good you know luxor's teachings they sort of tell us to collect stories and trinkets and and things that bring good memories rather than the bad you know we had a lot of people who died in in Fool's fortune. There's a lot of orphans that we took in who lost their families due to war and raids especially with the Draconic Empire. So death was quite common but you you find the sort of light in small places and it's very important to dwell on the good so that the grief doesn't consume.
2: Perhaps that's the answer then. I don't think Thorn is ready to mourn the loss of but perhaps he's ready to celebrate the life of Meepo and all the times that they've had together. It's all I can think of anyways. It would give us an opportunity to briefly honor him before we move on.
1: I'd say what I liked most about Meepo is how devoted he was to his cause. You know, there there was some sort of bright light within Meepo that kept him going and gave him courage. And that was simply wonderful.
2: What I enjoyed most about Meepo was his curiosity. You reminded me a bit of Thorn in a way, always eager to look out into the world and find something new and exciting. He always seemed ready for the next adventure, and what we would find next, never backing down in the face of danger. Well,
4: I think that my favorite thing about Mebo was the useful energy. I feel like, you know, even though he wasn't a tabaxi, he lived by a lot of the things that the cat lady really strives to have in the community, like play and fun and love. And and he fit really well in with our little family
2: that we're growing here. After a moment of silence, Mortis kind of looks over towards the tapestry, And you, old friend... What did you love most about Meepo?
3: You guys hear kind of like a eh, eh, My
2: favorite part about Meepo was when he was alive!
3: And then, see like ah, ah, As Thorn is having like a mini tantrum underneath the blanket You can see that maybe he's activated his prime savagery, he's just like attacking the tapestry as if he's trying to get out of it but he's gotten himself tangled up in it.
2: Mortis gets up and gently tries to help lift the tapestry off of him.
3: I'd say you get it off of Thorn. You can see that his hair is all disheveled and his eyes are very wide and they're probably glowing and he like swings around and stares at you guys and he, he looks very angry but he's also crying. You're not sure if it's from sadness or just frustration and as he's glaring at you he goes... I knew what this was happening. It it was just like he said. String cats will make suffering the bear. And he clenches his fist and he points to Methusel and he goes, I hate you. And he points to Seeker. And you. And he points to Mortis and goes, And I hate you the very most. All you you do is stray me away from what I need to do.
2: Mortis looks visibly kind of hurt. It doesn't show too much on his face. Just a slight little twinge in his in his armor. He looks like he's trying to speak, but he can't really find the words. And then he just steps back.
3: (laughs) Oh, and I hate stupid Meeple the most. And he, like, grabs the tapestry and puts it in his mouth and like (laughs) like a dog. And he's like, Oh, stupid things take Meepo back to such bad times. Oh, Meeple. Meepo should never said anything to find. Oh, Meeple. And he starts crying. Well, if...
1: Meepo had never spoken to you, then you wouldn't have met such a good friend. Someone who accepted you and cared for you. You would be alone. Is that better? Yes,
3: yes, Thorn wants to be only alone. Thorn only needs one person. Yes, yes, one person only. Someone who brings no more pain, no more suffering.
0: Very deep but very quiet laughter starts to be heard in the back of Thorn's mind.
3: When Thorn hears this, I think he also starts to laugh a little bit, and then he starts like pacing very aimlessly, like he doesn't really know what to do with himself, and he seems angry and sad and frustrated, like someone who's just really pent up doesn't know how to deal with their emotions.
1: It's alright to feel angry when you're grieving. It's sort of a part of the process. But if you can't feel pain, it's very hard to feel joy. When there's nothing but light, you can't see it. The light is more visible in the darkness. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling. But we're all here for you.
3: Thorn glares at Methuselah. He's trying to still be really angry, but his bottom lip is shaking and he goes, I don't want to have any pain. No, there's no need for pain. Only, only one thing. Only happiness and, and joy and and the colors. Things would be so nice if Thorn could go back to the place of colors but now Thorn is stuck here until he finishes one thing, one thing, and then
1: he can go back. And what is this thing that you have to do? The thing that will stop all the pain and bring you back to the place of colors.
3: Thorn's stare at Methuselah gets more intense. and he goes, won't tells you, won't tells you. The more that you know, the more pain that you cause.
2: You know... At some point, you're going to have to be honest, not just with us, but with yourself. And he's just going to turn and walk over towards Erky.
3: Thorn steps forward and, like, growls and then, like, skitters around Methuselah and Seeker, like, staring at them. And then he follows Mortis, but he stays, like, a meter behind Mortis, but he's following
0: Mortis, you do notice uh, a few skittering
3: steps
0: approaching you in the back. Steps that you know, well, way too well.
2: Mortis makes a mental note of the steps, and he's gonna walk over towards Erky. Sorry about that. Uh, have you been able to figure anything out? Uh,
0: Yeah, the place that we came from, the trap's still active, so we, I don't think anybody has a got close to the door, but I heard skittering on the door. I think they're preparing an ambush if we decide to go close to that area one more time.
2: Is that the only path
0: forward? No, there's this one over here, and he kind of gestures towards the double doors. Leads to an empty hallway. I don't know what to expect out of that.
2: (sighs) Well, we need to find a path so we can finish our quest. It's the only thing that matters right now.
0: My gut feeling, the empty hallway. There are lead torches in there, almost as if they are expecting people to travel in it.
2: Well, let's not disappoint them. He's gonna start like trudging towards the door. I'll lead.
0: Erky gives it space to Thorn, but then he gestures towards Methuselah and Seeker. Hey guys, we're going. Well,
1: gloves off, let's go. And is no longer wearing the gloves they've actually got there. Cool magical hands out in the open now that everyone knows. He's not afraid to sort of keep it visible.
4: A seeker's gonna notice Methuselah doing that. Methuselah, I really think that that's really cool that you decided to show part of who you are. I'm not ashamed of it. Oh, you shouldn't be. I think that you're absolutely amazing. And this is just a small part of who you are. It doesn't define you. It's just really cool.
0: Opening the door, it is an empty hallway like Erky described with several torches mounted on crude scones burning fitfully around this chamber, filling the air with a haze of small smoke, enough to obscure a little bit of your vision, but not enough to suffocate you. There are double rows of marble columns carved with intertwined dragons of flight that runs the length of the hall. It is a clear path toward it seems to be a set of few doors to your right one in the very end of the hall two in the same wall that you guys have just emerged from and the closest door is on your left
1: well should we try out a door see what's behind it i think that that's a good idea we could you know scout out for traps and listen behind doors as well we can all probably take one i think so i think that that's a good
4: idea the seeker's going to turn to Erki, still looking at him, suspiciously. Uh, would you mind taking one of the doors, Erki?
0: Well, if I'm going to take one of the doors, I'm going to take one of the right ones. The left one over here is in the same direction as the one that we came from inside of the room with the dragon, so I'm pretty sure it's going to head back.
4: Alright, that's a very fair point. I'll go to the end of the hall, Methuselah. I'll take one of the
1: side doors beside the one that Erki.
2: Without saying a word, Morse is just going to kind of walk up to one of the doors like he has a hand on his greatsword. Everyone be cautious.
3: Thorn kind of stands the door they came from in indecision. He decides to just kind of stand there and wait and see what happens.
0: Mortis, as you are cautiously approaching this door, you decide to take a look to see if there's anything on the bottom, anything on the handle, as you step forward. You lose your balance a little bit with a piece of debris that is on the ground. And you instinctively extend your hand to catch your balance. As you extend your hand, you hit the door. And the door just... opens. It's a small hallway, but nothing outside.
2: Ah, <clears throat> He, like, fixes his composure. This way seems relatively clear
0: meanwhile seeker you investigate the door and although it does have a locking mechanism it doesn't seem to be trapped
1: i would just like to open my
3: door
0: the door swings gently making a little bit of a it's an empty hallway leading towards the same direction as mortis's hallway
1: well this one seems clear it's another hallway
0: you guys hear Urky. guys guys there are goblins behind this one Let's not go behind this one.
1: When Erky mentions goblins, can I look back at Thorn
3: and see how Thorn reacted to that? Thorn reacts by his ears pinning. He gets airplane ears and he nervously glances towards where um, Erky is. And he still looks indecisive as to like where he wants to go. Yes, I suppose we should avoid that door.
1: Uh, can Seeker try to open the door?
4: Before opening the door, they want to double-check. They want to press their ear up against it and see if they can hear anything.
0: Do a perception check, please.
4: That would be a 15.
0: You can easily discern from the other side that there is a bunch of activity. There is steps, there is conversations, there is metal-on-metal metal work. There is a lot of people behind this door.
4: Hi, Hi, guys. Do you want to come over here and, and listen behind this
3: door with me? Don't open it.
4: Don't open it, but there's sounds, and I can't quite make them out.
3: Thorn sheepishly walks over to where Seeker is, and he also presses his ear against the door. And what he's actually going to do is he's going to try to look through the keyhole if he can do that.
0: Yes, you can. Please roll a perception check.
3: Thorn got a 17.
0: Through the little keyhole, you're able to see a little bit. The angle is not the best, but also the quantity of goblins inside of this room seems to be a big room as well. It's enough for you to know this is a goblin village. This is where the entire goblin community is. I also want you to do a little bit of a intelligence check for me.
3: I got a 13. There's
0: something deep within your gut telling you there's something familiar here you just can't put your finger on it.
3: I guess I could ask if I could roll history or investigation to sort of like follow down this stream of deja vu trying to grab hold of some sort of memory. I
0: would allow it. uh, Do an investigation check.
3: Natural 20, so that will be 24.
0: You press on within your head to figure out what it is that is giving you that ache, that unquietness. You start to notice the little things. How there's a small stall with specific cloths hanged in a specific way that you have seen this mannerism before. Or how there is what seems to be a specific humming coming from one of the other areas near the door. sounds like the humming of someone that you know before. And then you start picking out more and more details that composes to you what seems to be the portrait of the Huckleborn clan. It there was a mystery, now you know for a fact. This is your old tribe. Hello one, hello all. It's Quentin Foote here, Dungeon Master to a very unique live-action fantasy adventure podcast known as The Fables of Latour. Join us every Monday as we explore a completely original world filled with new races, monsters, and magics, all based around the fantasy novel series The Mighty Vendavar. Since we specialize in long format storytelling, and our entire cast are professional actors and artists, you can excitedly tune in weekly to experience the next chapter of our harrowing saga. We can't wait to meet you in the wilds of Latour.
4: You've reached the end of this episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of the Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, well, you can head on over to our Patreon to join the conversation, for you sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Gordon from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosso Mundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.